Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. This year, of course, we are doing 1973, five decades ago. I am your host, Greg. With me, as usually, are Ryan and Mike. How you doing, gentlemen? So good. We just smoked a doob in the Volkswagen van we co-own and live in. Dude, can vans really have owners? That's no, so true, man. You can't just own a van, man. <laughs> we have voted off a lot of movies so far. Have there been any painful cuts for you, gentlemen? It really hurt when we got rid of... And then the... Yeah. Oof, this is what's tough. fun about 50 years ago. I have emotional attachment to one movie, and we <laughs> already locked it in. I think that the, the one that had the most... Like, I'm going to be honest, gentlemen. This next round, the second round, after we're done with the first, because we're halfway through the first... Uh, is going to be really harsh. But this first mm. round is pretty easy. I think that the most drama I've seen so far is uh, Mike, renowned garbage lover, having to say goodbye to Templeton, his mentor. That, that was hard. It, and it's the, are you guys upset that that is the only time this season you're going to hear my Templeton impression? I don't Honestly. think that's true, Mike. I love trash. No, right, is that going to happen? Is that Charles Nelson Riley? Or is that. Uh, I always forget. Yeah. Paul Lint. Paul Lint. Those are the two, right? Those are the it's two. one of my two daddies. I, I will tell you, the one that upset me for making it through was the Holy Mountain. Mm-hmm. I'm going to really lean into hating the Holy Mountain because either I'm going to prove to be right or at least correct about my own appraisal of it, or I'm going to have like this moment where I come around. And if I do, I'm going to become the biggest Holy Mountain fan by the time <laughs> we're done. What I'm interested in is, let's say Mike and I love it. But one of us is going to decide right before we start recording, I'm going to pretend I hate this movie so I get all the points from Greg. <laughs> Mike famously loves trash, so perhaps he would That's be the That's true. One. Just well, like Paul Lind, who played Templeton. We still have a lot of uh, battles to do, so let's get right into it. Mike, in our next matchup, we are starting with number 31 seed and your choice, Scream, Blackula, Scream. Uh, in case people are nutsos and jumping to the part two and not listen to part one scream black is scream black exploitation horror movie starring pam greer come on what else do you need well i think probably any movie that stars pam greer is guaranteed to beat whatever movie it goes up against ryan would you agree number 34 is the movie coffee oh the the movie that stars pam greer more than A any movie other movie on this pam bracket greer. what <laughs> what is coffee like what is it about tell us about coffee ryan coffee is amazing coffee is heart-wrenching um when greg was burning through all these 73 did you get to coffee greg i didn't because uh we had talked about how we would split up some of the movies and then yeah. you would watch a movie and i'd be like i'm gonna watch that and i was like no i have to do the other thing which is watch the ones he's not watching <laughs> it is so goofy on purpose it's so goofy on accident but like if greg said he was gonna watch it then i was gonna have to do a giant tw text of like hey man there's some crazy shit at the end that you need to prepare yourself for like oh, wow i uh, and that's not something i really do like i'm usually like this is the movie man experience it but yeah, I was you've going... like never done that so yeah. that's pretty scary i was gonna Ooh. straight up warn you about shit so um a fascinating fascinating movie i think that it would be hard to do this year without it sorry scream blackula scream <laughs> i'm already Mike. voting yeah, Mike, uh, do you, having heard all that, do you still want to stick with Scream Black and the Scream, or do you want to move on to Coffee? Uh, Pam Grew's Pam Grew, baby. I'll go with Coffee. 
it, it's the bigger Pam Greer movie, right, Ryan? Even though it's yeah. the lower seed. Uh, I, I don't know if she's even in Scream, Scream Blackula Scream for that much. Yeah. Well, coffee is moving on. Also, I just got to say it, my A number one favorite beverage. So our next matchup, Mike, is number 15. This is not a TV show. This is actually a movie. It's called Westworld. What do you know about the movie Westworld? So Evan Rachel Wood is not in this one. No. Uh, so I know that. I okay, do know, uh, is a Brimley in this? A Brimley Yul with a mustache in, in this? Yul Brenner, that's what I meant. Yul Brenner's in this with a mustache. Yul Brenner. Uh, Michael Crichton based. Uh, he thinks theme parks are the devil and will always kill you. And uh, I think that is in this as well. Not just based, but directed by, right? Oh, damn. Oh, he's Bold the director of, of this? I want to say that. Oh, I can look wow. it up. Then say it. I mean, I just watched it, so I should know. But I, every time a movie is starting, I'm like, pay attention yeah. to these names at the beginning. And then I never do. <laughs> Editor, fuck you. <laughs> and then just right to your phone. Yeah, it's written and directed by Michael Crichton. And uh, Daddy Brolin's in it. Yes, looking I'm exactly, out of things I know. Looking exactly like Christian Bale. I don't know if this is a thing that people know, and I'm just late to the party, but James Brolin in Westworld, if you put it on and you did not tell somebody that this was not Christian Bale, there's a chance they would be like, Where, what's this weird retro movie with Christian Bale in it? He looks so much like him. Um, interesting concept. I'm not sure that the movie always lives up to like how interesting the concept is. It's definitely doing that seventies thing of like, um, let's let these shots breathe. And like, let's like really (laughs) explore these environments. And I think sometimes the vibes of it might weigh it down a little bit. It will always suck that it will most of the time always suck that we have to watch people learn how to film movies like (laughs) we have to like sit there and watch it happen i do think yul brenner is amazing in it like and i think that we have a lot of our modern depictions of like robo people like for instance the t-1000 from uh terminator 2 i think has a lot to do with what yul brenner is doing in this movie or when itching scratchy robots went crazy at itching scratchy land (laughs) (laughs) ryan it's going up against our number 50 seed state of siege now here's another um I don't want to say eight cab movie, but like uh, a lot of conservatives thought that this uh, movie about like a politician who gets kidnapped and then comes back uh, was anti-American. Greg, have you seen this movie? <laughs> okay, I just I just watched it. Uh, it is anti-CIA. So uh, this leftist group that is mostly students captures several people who come from other countries. Uh, and it's it's set in South America, and I'm just blanking now if it's like Brazil or, or not. It's not Brazil because they talk about Brazil as one of the... Oh, it's Uruguay. So they're in Uruguay, and uh, the, the student group gets upset that like there's all these people from other countries who come and basically teach their cops how to torture people and how to like really crack down on them. Uh, and so they capture a bunch of these people, and then it's the interplay between the group trying to find these criminals and, and not. Uh, gentlemen, I've seen both of these movies very recently. Westworld was a bigger movie. State of Siege is one of the best movies we've like ever done for this show. It is so real and so interesting. It raises so many questions. And it I don't think it comes down on necessarily... I mean, I think it's against interventionist torture from other countries. But beyond that, it's not like these people are totally right and these people are totally wrong. It's about deeply compromised individuals trying to do the best they can. I just think that like, if we're going on bigness, like we've, we've sort of denied this director, this Greek director, Costas Gravis, uh, multiple times. I think that we've said no to Z, his movie Z, his, uh, said no to his movie Missing, the Jack Lemon. like, I'm going to, let's make an American movie. But Westworld, I think just 
reigns so supreme over so big and history. The, like, the show just came out, and then there was a big hullabaloo about like how it was taken off the 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 streaming services. And ChatGPT is probably running those robots. I I think I have to go with Westworld. What do you say, Mike? Is it the because this is definitely a case of a a big movie and a and a good movie. <laughs> and I'm trying to. I hate the show Westworld. But I love Michael Crichton generally, and so I'm going back and forth on that. I'm going to go State of Siege, even though it sounds like a Steven Seagal movie. Ooh, so then you're going to push it onto me. <gasps> Mostly because I love to watch Greg Sweat. That's awful. What an awful thing to do to me. And but, you know, I Mike, I how guess... come every time Greg sweats, he sparks a little bit? Is that weird? <laughs> uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, I guess I'm going to have to to go with Ryan's argument about how big Westworld was. We're... Crichton heads on this show. Um, it has a lot to do with where Jurassic Park comes from. Uh, I, and there's so many futurist movies in this season, and I, I think we need to get a few of them in there to show what this year was was all about. Speaking of those movies, Mike, what mm. do you know about 18 Seed, Soylent Green? And I swear to God, if you spoil this for me, Mike, I'm going to freak out. I know. I'm going to try not to then. I know Charlton Heston stars in it. I know the drama girl from Drop Dead Gorgeous for her talent does the monologue at the end of it, which spoils it for me, which is also the most amount of Soylent Green I've seen. <laughs> I know the weird fucking nerds who think we don't need to eat from Silicon Valley named their shake company Soylent because it that, feels like what they a weird the point. move, guys. What are we doing here? <laughs> uh, and I know Ryan Plug years that Soylent Green is people. <laughs> it's people. Soylent uh, Green is people. They did blew Oprah it up and they made it, it Soylent Green. <laughs> Ryan, do you care anything about the movie Soylent Green? I have avoided it. Honestly, these last two, Soylent Green and Westworld, I have avoided because I've heard that they are really testing the patience of even 1973 audiences. Like, <laughs> interesting premise, have some good moments, boring. Yeah, so, there's, no, I haven't watched them. There's interesting parts of Soylent Green. I think the thing that nobody talks about with this movie is is the male female relations in it uh i don't know if all women in this universe are just referred to as furniture but uh apartments come with a a girl and she is referred to as furniture and when you move out somebody else will move in and they can either keep the furniture or not wow and um, the future the incels want (laughs) now since it's the future are all restaurants taco bell (laughs) i think all restaurants are soylent green (laughs) And then it's going up against number 47, Battle for the Planet of the Apes. <gasps> okay. Uh, I'm going to ignore that mic gasp for just a second, Greg, <laughs> if, if, if you'll let me. I will. Um, based on my 1973 research, uh, if we were to give each of these a show, so 64 episodes for this season, I believe that Battle for the Planet of the Apes would absolutely, the three of us would absolutely agree, was by far the single worst movie of this entire oh, year. No. This movie is allegedly garbage. And I know Mike, much like his mentor Templeton, loves trash. But (laughs) this movie cannot move on. And I don't believe it will. Mike, what do you think? Uh, I think this is the one where they live underground. And even a eight-year-old Mike who was devouring all the Planet of the Apes movies went, kind of jumped the shark and missed the (laughs) point, huh, there? (laughs) Is this when the apes sing under the ground? Yes. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, I don't care that Caesar, it's weird that this is the one that the reboots, they're like, oh, Caesar, this is the worst of the Planet of the Apes 70s, like 60s, 70s movies. He says that into the camera in the movie. (laughs) And they're the one that, like, they based the whole future reboots on, which is strange. 
they blew up the franchise. They blew it all up. Uh, yeah, so Story in the Green will be moving on. Mike, you're going to be so excited about this next one. Our number seven seed, Robin Hood. The sexy do, fox do, Robin do, Hood? Do, 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 do. The very one. The, the, the fox that launched a million fur- furries. Odalita, 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 what a day. Oh, the lolly, lolly, lolly. Yeah, that's I, the one. Th- great song, even if I can't remember it. Uh, this is, I, I, even though people rate it and want to fuck foxes because of it, I feel like an under-talked about Disney movie these days. But I bet it's still 1973 and pretty boring compared to other ones in an interesting way. <laughs> but in an interesting way. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, it it... Like, I watched this movie a lot as a kid, and I loved it, and I watched the first half of it recently and loved it. It's got a lot of personality, and it's very interesting. Um, it's, a, I think, a solid Disney movie. What do you think, Ryan? Uh, <laughs> I think it's whatever. I think it's, like, I think it's poorly animated, and when it's best animated, you can see... Uh, the movies. movies that it stole from, yes. like straight the Jungle up, Book. Yeah. yeah, ran into the other studio that was on the Disney lot and said, "Give me those cells." <laughs> well, that's it's going how up Robin Hood would. Yeah, exactly. Ryan, it's going up against number fifty-eight seed Cinderella Liberty. All right, so congratulations, Robin Hood. I don't like this is another rom-com, um, which I think is crazy. Like, uh, I think that we've learned throughout doing all these brackets just have so much less staying power. Than you think they they would. Yeah. There's major ones, but like if you're just kind of a basic movie, there, I don't know if like you can last. This one is actually fun fact um, based on a book by the same writer as The Last Detail. So oh, that's a fun fact. Jack Nicholson in that movie is the same character as James Caan in this movie, and from the same year. And in this one, Weird. he's given leave where from he doesn't the ship, have, right? Yeah, he doesn't have to come back to the ship, which is called Cinderella Liberty. You don't have everybody has to be back by midnight, but he's given Cinderella Liberty, so he doesn't have to be back. Falls in love with a prostitute. Prostitute is nominated for an Oscar, and that's why you're seeing it here. Oh wow, what a twist! So the prostitute actually gets nominated for an Oscar. Does that affect their relationship in a meaningful way? Yeah, she kills him with an Oscar. <laughs> like Richard Gere in Unfaithful just hits him in the head with it. Which do you think should move on, Ryan? Let's do Robin Hood. Why the fuck not? Mike, do you agree? Yes. Yeah, I agree, too. Oh, I didn't think it was going to go this way. Woo! Robin Hood. A literal fox, ladies and gentlemen. I believe Mike. that Prince of Thieves was a bonus episode in 91. Didn't even uh-huh. make the Elite Eight. One nice thing that this movie does that Prince of Thieves uh, also borrowed is uh, the accents make literally no sense. Like, a couple <laughs> people have English accents. The troubadour that s- sings the whole song uh, has a southern accent. Mm-hmm. Um very interesting. I guess that helps with an animated movie. Like you're like the guy, it's the guy from England who had a southern accent. You know that one? Mike uh, in he's our from next Essex. Our next matchup, number twenty six seed. Have you ever even heard of Ganja and Hess? No. Ryan, have you heard of? Do you know anything about Ganja and Hess? I'm gonna be honest with you, Greg. I don't know if I had until Spike Lee remade it. Oh, okay, yeah. And what do you remember what the name of his because he has a slightly different name for it. Do you remember what it is? The sweet blood of Jesus. Okay, yeah. Uh, I watched this today. Um, and is Ganja the... Uh, no, Ganja's like uh, a, a, a character in it. Although they also do refer... They also do refer to the drug as Ganja, so I'm, I'm not sure. This is very experimental. Um, it is... Uh, I don't know that it works all the way through, but there are moments in this that are almost like documentary. Like, they ha- they actually had the actors in in character talk about what seems like their own lives very emotional 
Um, but there are, it's like an acid movie. Like there are just like these long segues of unfocused, experimental, moody um, shots. But it's so compelling. It really like, it's, it has something, but it's also, I think, deeply flawed. Um, but there are moments, I'd say two or three moments in the movie that are like as real, as interesting, and as compelling as anything we've done on the show so far. But right up Spike Lee Boulevard, too, is that uh, I feel like this is one of the directors who's like sort of going after Romero's thing of like, they're not just monsters, right? Like, we could say mm. something, right? And I this mean, is there's like, so little a, about a, them. A lot of it is about how like fitting in and, you know, becoming like part of the society. And what does that say about black culture and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like it's very, very little about how they're vampires. Like, so little, actually. And it's more, like, about... Imagine if you woke up and you were a vampire, what would you do? And so, like, he makes a woman a vampire, and she wakes up the next day, and she just sobs for, like, three days because she's like, I'm a horrible monster now. I feel awful about this. (laughs) And (laughs) That's so realistic. It's going up against... I've never heard of this movie, but it's just... It has a very ominous name. Number 39C, Torso. Ryan, what do you know about Torso? Uh, Torso is a beloved movie amongst your horror elites. I want to say it's Giallo. It's uh, known as the first slasher movie. And uh, Edgar Wright, I guess the fun fact for this one is Edgar Wright's Don't, I think, was based on this. Edgar Wright did a preview for um, Grindhouse. Don't go in the kitchen. Don't go downstairs. Uh, It was based on Torso. Torso is, um, yeah, just uh, gruesome, awesome, bloody gore. Ooh. And what do you think between these two movies should move on, Ryan? Torso or Ganja and Hess? Uh, I am going... Come back to me. Mike, which <laughs> do you think should move on? Torso or, or Ganja and Hess is the 26th seed. Torso right. is the 39th seed. Ganja and Hess sounds really interesting, but man, how Ryan just described Torso sounds so stupidly out. My specific alley. So I have One to vote torso. for Torso, Ryan. I think I'm gonna go Ganja and Hess. Yeah, I'm gonna also go Ganja and Hess. I I don't know t- if in totality it's better, but I at, at moments there's just peaks of of brilliance in it. But Mike, we can't add any movies. Mm-hmm. We can't add any more like booty shows. But if you want to do a bonus for like a Monday, I'll watch Torso with you. Hell yeah! Our number ten seed, Mike. Have you ever heard of the animated movie Belladonna of Sadness? No. It sounds like a real drag. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of a drag, Ryan. Do you know that much about this? Yeah, I have. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of clips, and I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I did not know about this movie until me and the board started working on the bracket. I could not believe how highly seeded it was. This is a ten seed that I had never heard of, and that's not just surprising to me. It's upsetting to me. You know how like movie yeah. fans are. Like, yeah. They, they, <laughs> They're, they're not so much curious as to what they don't know instead of, like, upset that they didn't know something. Um, and the more I looked into it, the more I found the backstory of the movie, which it uh, was very controversial, bankrupted its studio, um, sort of started the delivery system of anime to America, more interesting than the actual movie, which was uh, artistic, the movie is, is centered heavily on sexual violence, and a woman like gets powers based on being the victim of, of sexual violence. That kind of like makes a deal with the devil. Um, and every time she utilizes her powers, the movie 
goes absolutely nuts. Like, I don't know what her powers are, reality distorting, like the Scarlet Witch or, or mentally incapacitating or something like that. But every time she uses her powers, the movie just goes crazy for like 15 minutes. And if you are high on drugs, I could see that being interesting. But um, it can also be a little slow. But again, there's these moments of genius, the, the mix of... It's animated, but it's more like illustrated. It's like there's these huge drawings that the camera very slowly pans over. Um, there's a lot of upsetting imagery. But again, there's like something there. The, the combination of the music and the art style, it's very sure of itself. And it is, uh, it's achieving most of its aims. Um, so I found it very compelling. It's going up against a number 55 seed that might... That might be pretty low. It's Five Fingers of Death, Ryan. Or is it both of the movies, Five Fingers of Death and then another name? Yeah, uh, that's another thing that we didn't talk in the intro of the last episode is that one of the reasons why this year was so hard to research, uh, like release dates, and if this is 73 or not, is because every movie had two titles minimum. Uh, (laughs) And so this is called Five Fingers of Death or King Boxer. It's hard to pick which of the two titles is cooler. They're both Uh, boss. King Boxer. Like Five Figures of Death is obviously awesome, but yes. King to tell someone that you're King Boxer, yes. that's a fucking baller move. Um, Definitely. And this is the movie that set the country on f- a flame. You know, like this does not star Bruce Lee, but this basically said we're ready for Bruce Lee because this is the this exploded in the box office, and now we have kung fu movies. Uh, it's called Chopsaki, but I didn't look up to see if that's okay to say. Yeah. Anyway. Right. <laughs> Like a little light kind of went off in my head when you said yeah. that. I don't know either, but like certainly the censors came back and the readings were not great. We can find a different word for this genre, but um, yeah, this is this is a big deal movie. And fifty five, this just seems low to me. I don't know, especially because we were talking about Quentin Tarantino being so instrumental to like our understanding of this time. And I know this is one of his big movies, right, Ryan? We looked at a uh, top eleven movies yeah. of all time list from <laughs> Quentin Tarantino earlier this morning, and I think that it's just from this last year. So he's been talking about the Friends of Eddie Coyle or Charlie Varick or whatever for a long time. So maybe it's the the list is too new and the five. So that means that the five uh, fingers of death will rise soon because he really does have that kind of power. The kind of power that I hope the three of us have someday. Someday. (laughs) And we have Charlotte's Web just skyrocket up the letterbox rankings. Ryan, which way would you go with this between these two, Belladonna versus the five fingers? I am... So, like, everything to me is saying Five Fingers of Death from a uh, audience standpoint, from a have-to-do-a-show standpoint, from a 1973 standpoint. Belladonna of Sadness is a movie that I will tackle someday, but, like, it's intimidating and kind of right now, but, like, I've only read about it, but, like, there's a lot of controversial shit in it that I don't know if I'm ready to tackle. Yeah, dude, for sure. (laughs) Uh, Mike, what do you think? Belladonna or Five Fingers? Five Fingers just sounds more like a movie of the year show for yeah. good or ill. Yeah, I, I recommend people check out Belladonna of Sadness if they're, if they're into something kind of intense and weird and ethereal and upsetting um, and influential because that's certainly what it was. Uh, number 23 seed, Mike, have you ever heard of, and I, I don't, Ryan, actually you you watched this movie, Ryan. How did, is it Tuki Buki? Uh, it is. Okay, Tuki Buki. Uh, Mike, have you heard anything about this movie? Uh, no, it's one of the coolest names of a movie ever. And it's a pretty sweet poster. Ryan, tell us on. a little bit about it. Uh, sweet poster, Mike. Can you look up the poster? And then can you also look up uh, Beyonce Jay-Z tour, like 2012, I want to say? 
the Bonnie and Clyde tour they did? Uh, this is a movie about two uh, people in, uh, I want to say, Senegal that uh, fall in love and have the high ambition, low effort. Yeah. Uh, and so they go around on this motorcycle and they have a lot of dreams and they have a lot of fantasies. Um, this is a very, uh, it's not surreal, I would say, but there's a lot of stuff going on where you're going to have to like put it together. Um, artsy fartsy, you could say. But Ex- experimental, right? <laughs> once you get to the end, it's so so worth it. It's 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 a lot about like uh, this generation fighting the previous generation. Um, what does that mean to do that? What what does it cost to do that? Because there is a cost that you have to pay. Like we're not going to do things like you, but also were some of the things that you were doing good? Um, well, I can't believe it's going up against our number forty two seed, which is the harder they come. This feels racist, Greg. <laughs> Uh, because it just, but like so much of what you were just saying. Okay. So the harder they come is about Jamaica. And I would say that, um, it is, it ha- it engages with so many of those themes you were just talking about, Ryan. It shows a Jamaica where everything has been claimed. All the land has been claimed. All the, 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 the good, the high paying jobs have been claimed. And what is it like to be a young person growing up, trying to come up? And what can you do? There's no jobs for anybody. There's nothing left for anybody. And it's about this this guy who has this incredible musical talent, but that's like the way out for almost like everybody around him. And so they're horribly exploited. And so he has like this really famous, he has this this popular record, um, but he doesn't get anything for it really. And then he eventually starts to sort of like turn to crime. And when he does that, then he gets like the Bonnie and Clyde bump. Suddenly everyone wants to play his music. It is so compelling, so interesting. The music is amazing in it. the 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 center of the movie is him performing his um his number, and it's like so compelling. You see that this guy, played by a real um a a, a real uh, J- Jimmy Cliff, who like this movie is like credited, was like credited for bringing reggae to America because Jimmy Cliff is that musician turned actor turned musician in this movie. He's so compelling. He's so awesome. I, I, I know, Ryan, you just said all these things about Tuki Buki, but like, Mike, I think I feel like you're the guy we're fighting for. And I can't <laughs> give this movie I can't give this movie a, a higher endorsement. I promise you, it is like it is a show. It is a it is a potential I don't know if it could win this season because it's such a because nobody knows about it, but it's such a good movie. Thinking about does anybody know about it, Greg? Do you Jay Z and Beyonce know about it because I did find those pictures of their two thousand tour on the run. I, I don't have anything good. For, I don't have anything to, to to counter that. I'm sure they have seen the movie and I'm sure that they love it. Also, did Tuki Buki bring reggae to America? Mm. It did not. Would we have so many uh, white Rastafarian kids in college if it were Ooh. not for the harder that was come? like Jimmy Fallon's biggest character on SNL? That's bad. No, I think yeah, I, I vote for the harder they come. I think Tuki Buki is high art, and it's a shame that it's about to lose. Yeah, because Ryan, because Mike, you say the harder they come. I do say Ryan. Yeah, it's uh, Tuki Buki for sure. And like I'm this gonna... is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Ryan, oh. I I have. To... Mm. They both deserve to be moved on. Well, yeah, like there's no, there's no, there's no wrong answer here. I mean, I saw the harder they come. That's the one that I watched, and it, it's 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 just it's coming down to me. And I'm, we're not going to be disappointed in this. We're not. Yeah. The harder they come, is moving on. Ugh. Whew. 
Sometimes the show is less fun than other times. It's a th- th- now that it, it's done. That is a true shame, and we have ruined the bracket. <laughs> well, if you had said it's one of the best movies you've ever seen before, I voted Ryan. I That's feel really like on you. oh, this is a fucking what is this a uh, oh what was that movie? Sun something sun. Like I said this a million times, Mike. You already heard it. Oh, after sun. After sun. After sun. It's, this is an after sun situation. If yeah, it's just hard. I, I I I haven't seen the other one, and I know how strongly I feel about this one. Also, I, I yeah. Well, we'll see. Moving on to the next round, or not next round. Sorry. Moving on to the next matchup, Mike. It's number three, mm. Mean Streets. How much do you know about Mean Streets? I believe this is Scorsese's first movie, at least first real movie. And uh, that's it. And I bet it's about New York and crime, baby. Early and I bet there's little to no women in it. <laughs> I bet there's a dude leaning up against a bar, and the camera goes down the bar, and Rolling Stones are blaring. I bet yeah. all of this happens. Yes, yes. And it's going up against Ryan. Number 62 seed, Summer Wishes, Winter Dreams, is it? Don't we all, Greg? Um, <laughs> this is nominated for uh, multiple Oscars against... Uh, what I think is one of the greatest movies of all time. Now, I know I said that for Tuki Buki, and that meant literally nothing to both nah. of you. <laughs> you said but, it after I voted. I still don't uh, listen when you talk. But no, Mean Streets is. Let's move on. Mean Streets feels... I know it's not. I know this is just because I'm a movie dum-dum, but Mean Streets feels like one of the first times someone was like, this is what movies should be like. <laughs> like, <laughs> they should have more energy and they should be actually filmed out on the streets and they should, like, basically be music videos for parts. Uh, they should, like, it's just there's so much energy and gritty. You know, how, you know how you complain because you have no money or no, like, you're, you're, you're just saying, like, I have no talent. Like, he did this all for, like, $30,000, yes. just, like, screaming Martin Scorsese at the world. This is one of those movies where it feels like they loaded up a van full of people and they just literally went, get out on the street, do the scene, then get back in the van, and then we're going to the next location. No, Harvey Keitel. Put your penis away. <laughs> it's so big. I prefer to just have it out so it can breathe. <laughs> uh, so that sounds like Mean Streets moving on. Yes. Mike, number 30 is my movie, The Day of the Dolphin. Oh, shit. How excited are you to potentially watch a movie about dolphin assassins who can speak? Uh, I love assassins. I love dolphins in the life of McNichols. Do I even know to need to know what it's up against? Well, Ryan, I will tell you what it's up against. It's up against our number 35 seed, um, the last, the officially the last movie I watched before we started recording. Oh, really? Scarecrow. So when I said a lot of these movies are like uh, Of Mice and Men, did that yes. hit you on this one? Yes, that was the first thing that I thought of. Two dudes bumming across the country. Gene Hackman, who is a, a big bruiser. He basically, one of these guys who is looking for a fight constantly, and so he's just always being an asshole, hoping that he'll he'll catch someone. And then he's with Al Pacino. So wait, Pacino. Is, it, is it Curly instead of George? Yes. <laughs> and then Al Pacino, who is like the opposite of that, a little funny guy who's always trying to get everyone to, to laugh to get out of situations. And it's like, let's look at these two worldviews as they hang out together as hobos riding the rails across America. Damn. And it's fascinating. It's, it's very, very fascinating. Can I like? Is it good? More? Can you say more than like the two performances were good? Because I'm sure the actors were good, but like, is it a well made? Okay, let movie? me put it this way: it's it's in its 73 context where it's about how do we interact with the world? Can we give ourselves over to everybody like the nice guy, 
Or do we need to sometimes go in with wade in with our fists and solve problems that way? Like how are we how are we saving ourselves? So in that way, I, I, I think I think it it does. That sounds interesting. But are there dolphins that talk, Greg? There are not dolphins that talk. Hmm. I I I don't know, man. Like I uh, is this movie actually good though? Too besides the surprises of finding out what dolphins are and what dolphins do. It's interesting. I don't know if it ever. I don't know if it actually gets to good, but it's interesting. <laughs> um, I, I don't know that either one of these movies has like even a puncher's chance. And with Scarecrow, it should have at least a puncher's chance. Am I right? Because it's all about punching. Um, so I, you know, I don't think it matters a ton which moves on in, the, in this matchup. To be perfectly honest, and Mike, with that scintillating intro, which would you <laughs> like to move on? Day of the Dolphin, Ryan. I'm gonna say Scarecrow. And if I had to pick between the two, I think I would go with Scarecrow because I just think there's a subtlety um, and it's just it's just interesting. And the Day of the Dolphin was cool and I really liked it, um, but it, it has trouble escaping sort of the absurdity of some of its premises. Mike, what do you know about number 14 seed Last Tango in Paris? I am so excited to hear the answer to this question. Oh, this is Butterlube, the Butter. movie. Yeah, this is this is the Butter movie. Yeah, uh, and butter lay it, a the, finger off my butter lube. The actress didn't know, right? That it was going to essentially happen. she was sexually assaulted in this, right? Like repeatedly. I, I believe so. Yeah, that's a real bummer. I uh, th- that fact has wiped out anything that I should know. Is it Marlon Brando? Yes. Basically, yeah. this is one of the se- one of the seventy three movies that is like if you're a broken down middle aged white guy, you're allowed to do anything you want. And it was not only the message of the movie. It was the way the movie was made. And so then those two things get like so linked. Like, it, Ryan, do you think there's any way to watch this movie now without being just horrified like kind of the entire time? I don't think so. You're but, watching crimes, right? You're like watching crimes. But that doesn't eliminate it for me from the from the bracket. What, what does anything about it eliminate it for you? Eliminate it from the back? No, I think it's such a big deal. I think it's such a big deal, and I think it's important to talk about the awful things that happened. Like you know, like this is one of those movies where like we all read research on it, and then like we all learn about it, and we watch it, and we maybe you, you watch some like documentary about it, and like you just become more horrified. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't get its own show. Mm. That's I, where I'm at. I feel like we knew about this bad behavior before we knew about a lot of other bad behavior. And that it now reflecting on it, it feels way worse than it used to feel earlier. Does that make sense? Like, sure. We always knew there was something sketchy about the production of this movie. Oh, well, talk, it, to, talk to your mom or dad about like how the directors that they grew up with or the actors are like capable of horrible shit. And they're like, well, you know, like, th- their entire answer is, well, you know, and like we, we're taking that much more seriously now. Right. And so like it, this is way harder for us to watch. But okay. But what? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I was just going to say, again, the bigness of this movie is big. Yeah, and if we were to do a show about it, it wouldn't be because we're like, we're totally down with everything that happens in this movie. Because we take all our movies to task for the ways in which they... I don't even think that, like, if you're a listener or if you're just seeing that we released this show for the first... Like, you've never seen a show of ours before. If we're doing Last Tango in Paris, you already know. We're not saying, fuck yeah, this movie. Everything you did was right. Hell yeah. But what about, Ryan... If it's going up against a superior movie in our number 51 seed, Charlie Varick. Uh Superior is maybe, but uh, <laughs> this this does star Walter Matthau. Yes, dude. Not being funny. As Mr. Wilson. No. 
despite that face being super cool being super cool the funniest part about this movie ryan is that it starts off and he's an old face but because he's walter Matthau, i didn't realize that until he like takes it off and it's like very dramatic when he like goes back to just being a 50 year old man instead of like a 65 year old man 1973 was like hey uh george siegel uh walter Matthau, elliot gould come here i'm gonna make you a star you guys are I'm gonna make cool. you a star. Uh, again, small time, gritty, um, compelling, you, very fast moving. Uh, a lot of different parts at the same time. They uh, go to steal money from a bank, and when they check to see how much they have, they've got three quarters of a million dollars, and they were expecting to have like thirty thousand dollars. And Charlie <laughs> Varick is like, "It's never good when you suddenly have more money than you expected to from a job." Is this then, office space? And then, it basically, yeah, if uh, the thing that they stole money from was the mafia, because that's the problem, is that they stole, accidentally, they stole money from a bank that was holding mafia money. And so the cops give up after, like, two minutes. They're like, ah, dang. They're like the GTA cops. They're, oh, they're, they, they drove into a bush, whatever. But the mafia's like, no, we're not going to give up on this. It's very cool, very interesting, um, and you'll rarely meet anybody who's heard of it versus last tango in paris which is one of the most notable movies of all time mike which do you think should move on uh probably one of the most notable movies of all time <laughs> ryan do you agree with that i do yeah charlie Barrick's very good everybody you should probably check it out but we're gonna teach the controversy in this on this podcast uh oh speaking of teach <laughs> teach the controversy what a wonderful transition uh mike do you know anything about our number 19 seed high plains drifter i do not Ryan, do you know anything about our number 19 seed, High Plains Drifter? So it's just a classic Western with Clint Eastwood as a cowboy, right? Which uh-huh. is what, why we go to the movies is to see Clint Eastwood as a cowboy. Just be exactly. like, shoot him up, bang, bang, bad guys, go. I'm loving it so far. What could go wrong, Ryan? Oh, also in the first 10 minutes, I raved a woman. Oops. Uh, this is a movie about a small town that needs the help of a wandering cowboy. Uh, and he comes into town and they basically say, we need your help fighting off this gang. So we'll let you do whatever you want. Uh, and one of the things he does is he rapes two different women in the town. Uh, he rapes one woman 10 minutes into the movie. And then, uh, there's another woman in town who constantly hates him because he did that. And near the end of the movie, he rapes her as well. Um, and I think the point of the movie is that this town gives itself over to basically the devil. Like, Hey, the devil, will you protect us? And when I say that, then you're like, oh, then the rapes are probably supposed to be bad in the movie. I don't know, dude. I really don't know like it, what how you're supposed to feel about the way... You know what you sound like right now? You sound like somebody talking about Magnum Force. Somebody who... Or <laughs> a movie that did not move on. But, like, was, was Clint Eastwood being like, man, this country has... Like, this audience has to ask some weird questions about themselves. He, and maybe the just point... not asking them as obviously as he should have. Not but, until Unforgiven. Would right. People would be like, oh... It, the, the point very much in the movie seems to be that the, he, he literally makes the town hell. He paints it red, and he renames it hell. And so to save it, he completely destroys it. Um, but the movie never digests its sexual violence, and it's just other characters are like, they joke about it. And I, I know that nobody in the town is supposed to be good, and he's not supposed to be good either. But you come out of the movie, and you feel like, I don't know, maybe nothing's good. Like, the worldview is so nihilistic <laughs> in it that I, I... I mean, this is still 20 years after The Searchers, which was like, hey, you know your cowboy heroes? They were fucking the worst p- people that you have ever met in your entire life. And Mike is right. This is 20 years before Unforgiven, where he was trying to do the same thing. 
I don't know if this is a misfire or if this is trying to like if this is a certain kind of exploitation. Like we have black exploitation and uh, cop exploitation and uh, drug exploitation, and then also good guy exploitation. Like, yeah, uh, let's look at these people and like, isn't it just fun to have good guys kill people without really reflecting on what that means? I do feel like it, the the morality of the movie says that what he's doing is wrong, but fuck, isn't it fun? And don't you wish mm. you could? And I just, it's very uncomfortable. Um, and it is going up against Four Nights of a Dreamer. Is that what it is? Now, uh, when did we talk about Cries and Whispers? Was that the last episode? That was the last episode, I believe. All right. So last episode, uh, I informed Mike that like a decade ago, he and I talked about a Bergman movie that bowled him over. Uh, Mike and I also have gone through a Robert Brasson <laughs> uh, marathon where every movie bowled him over. Now, this is a Robert Brasson movie that is not beloved. It's not in the canon. It's not well-loved. I, I I would love to do everything we can to get the masters on this bracket, but I just think that against High Plains Drifter, I don't know. Like, that's such a 73 movie. High and again, is. High putting it on the show yeah. is not an endorsement of it. I mean, I, I I would kind of like to talk about what it what it's doing. I mean, it, it is because you know what I'll say this. I, this is maybe telling on myself, but it's a kind of cool movie. Otherwise, like yeah. it really makes you feel gross because you come out of it and you're like, well, some parts of that were neat. And it's like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> it's the kind of movie that movie. like it's the kind of movie that made people have to say to Quentin Tarantino, like, hey, bud, I'm gonna pull you aside and say like this scene that the way that you wrote it change it please because what you're doing is like gross and harmful to women and he still did some of that shit but four nights of a dreamer despite the fact being directed by this director is not a memorable or like remembered movie so what do you say mike i'll go with the high plains drifter ryan yeah yeah wait till next round everybody wait till next round um our next matchup is number six, American Graffiti. Mike, what do you know about number six, American Graffiti? Uh, I went through a period where I loved movies that had no plot and were just about high schoolers hanging out in movies. their specific time period, hanging out for an evening to the point that I started to write one all about the early 2000s about a lot of scenester kids, and it was awful. Uh, and American <laughs> Graffiti is partially to blame for that. <laughs> I. Loved this movie and have not seen it since high school. Hey, movie of the year audiences, if you want me, Greg, and Mike to do a read-through of Mike's script that he wrote, please write in and let us know. <laughs> we could turn that into an episode. Ryan, when's the last time you saw American Graffiti? Uh, it's been a while, but like I think that it's been a, it's one of those things where it's been a while, but I had seen it so many times before it's been a while that like I feel like I know it pretty well. I, just, I had seen it once a long time ago, and I watched it as part of my rewatch because i had said that i had seen it and then i felt like okay search your memory greg do you have anything on this movie still (laughs) um this is probably the hackiest thing i can say ryan but did star wars cost us one of our like great (laughs) storytellers and great directors i don't think so i think that once star wars happened and he started talking more (laughs) i think that everything that's good he did was an accident and everything that bad he's done (laughs) was like definitely what god intended i think that's what I think. And uh, we can talk about THX 1138. Like, is that a well-made movie? I've never know. even seen it, to be honest. Um, it's so it's, boring. Ryan, it's going against... So it's funny how many of the sci-fi movies from this time are just like, make it boring as shit, dude, because that'll make it cheaper. <laughs> oh, wait. Did I impress you with my premise? I'm not going to do shit in the movie. Yeah, you're I'm already sitting leave, in the theater, You idiot. do the rest. I'm going <laughs> to turn the camera on and just leave it there. 
dude if we do westworld if we really do a show about westworld th- there's so much of that look at this is what this hallway looks like um it's going up against ryan number 59 i've never heard of this the paper chase okay so the paper chase i thought would be so much higher rated or seated uh it's about john houseman is this professor he was nominated for an oscar he's like well i think that all of your work is terrible and i hate it all but what I'm really trying to do is make you a better student in the long run. And then the guy becomes a better student, and then they hug. And that's the movie, folks. Like uh, that's, not, that's not what teaching is. What teaching is is being nice to someone uh, until they cheat on their final exam. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, which of those two do you think should move on? American Graffiti, our number six seed, or the Paper Chase, number 59 seed? Yeah, American Graffiti for me, Greg. Uh, Ryan? Yes. I almost threw right back to you, Mike. Mike? <laughs> and Mike. Uh, uh, so American you know, Graffiti is time. <laughs> <laughs> what is this, Florida? Um, our next one, Mike, our number 27 seed. I get the sense this is maybe a horror, so maybe you've, you've heard of it, know something about it. The Crazies. Oh, fuck, yes. So this is Romero being like, I don't want to make a movie about zombies. Instead, these people go crazy and can't awesome. talk and start killing non-crazies with weapons. And I also love the Timothy Oliphant starring remake from the early 2000s. Whoa. I had no idea that even existed. Versus so it, Ryan. The first one, The Crazy, stars Timothy Bottom. No, that's a different... Timothy Bottom, and then Timothy Oliphant is in the remake who has an incredible bottom. Yes. <laughs> but I don't think there's a Timothy Bottom in... The original crazy. That's probably a different uh, 1973 movie I'm thinking of. But I love the title. The title is so good. Like, Yeah, it's wh- dope. Who's outside of my window? Oh, it's the crazies. It's the crazies. The tagline, oh. why are the good people dying? Ah. Undeniably interesting. I do think it makes a solid a solid point, which is that, like, and maybe it's the first time that, that, that it was made, but, like, zombies are not that scary. People. People are scary, <laughs> especially if they go, like, blah, a bunch. <laughs> They're the real Walking Dead. Uh, yeah, I'm ready, Greg. <laughs> It's up against number 38, Lone Wolf and Cub, Sword of Vengeance. All right, so I don't know where we're at with this movie, but this is the first of six movies, and I'm going to assume like the first of 42 manga books. Mangas, yeah. Uh, about this guy who is named the Mandalorian and his little baby <laughs> called Baby Yoda, and they are traveling the world. And again, first out of six. He is the he's like the the big boss man's assa- uh not assassin. He's the big boss man's executioner. But one day uh he gets betrayed and then he gets set against the 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 shogunate, like the le- like everybody else basically. And uh he says to his son, his wife has already been fridged, and then he says to his son, uh hey, I know you can't understand what I'm saying right now, but you have like my blood in you, so you can either come with me and we can fight together on the road to hell. Or uh, <laughs> if you don't want to do that, I understand, and I'll just kill you right now. And the baby decide the baby chooses the, baby? the sword, <laughs> and so he and the baby go off on adventures. And oh, he does like dope. he does not keep the baby safe. Like he uses the baby <laughs> as part of all the fighting. Like the baby is right in the thick of things. Is this what Wolverine and Jubilee were based on as well, dude? It's so Honestly, amazing like- though. You know, like, like, there's certain things, certain IP, certain uh, properties that become bigger than their thing. You know, like uh, we use the butterfly effect or sliding mm-hmm. doors uh, as terms. Um, Groundhog Day. This is Groundhog Day movie. Uh, Lone Wolf and Cub is its own genre of like, yeah. 
I am the mentor and the mentee, and we're we're going along. Um, this thing is far surpassed. More people know about this trope than have actually watched it. And the, I have the to say, most I know about it is uh, Bob and Louise watch the Bob's Burgers version of this all the time. Oh, that's right. There's, that's what I why I know about this existing at all. It's so amazing. I, I watched it just the other day, and it was like so good. I know th- it has all this stuff of like it's part of a series and it's based on a manga, and so like there's all these things that make us think like you know, and it, it, it like has a legacy of it, like what type of story it is. But on through all of that, it's a well shot, interesting, cool movie with a lot of great action sequences and a lot of questionable morality. Mike, what should move on? The crazies or this crazy guy and this crazy kid? Uh, Lone Wolf and Cub sounds awesome. I cannot legally vote against Romero ever. My vote's for the crazies. Ryan? Crazies. Moving on, the crazies. Lone Wolf and Cub, hit the road. Up next, number 11, the black and white, Ryan O'Neill, Paper Moon. Barry Lyndon. Barry Lyndon, who loves Barry to live in London. Paper Moon, Mike, what do you know about it? Uh, I know it's Barry Lyndon, Ryan O'Neill. I know it's black and white, and I know it's in 1973. And I know uh, there's more than one O'Neill in this movie. Tatum O'Neill is also in it. Um, is that his real daughter, Ryan? That's his real ass daughter. They had okay. a rough relationship. Uh, I believe, if I'm thinking about the right uh, people, she woke up with to him having sex with her best friend while they were doing, having a sleepover. Holy uh, shit! Yeah, uh, crazy Hollywood stories with that family. Uh, I think she was—he was ready to Farrah Fawcett, but that's not Tatum's mom, I believe. Again, talking out my ass here. So they kind of used his weird relationship with his daughter as like part of this movie, right? And like she would at nine drive him home from parties where he was coked out of his mind. This uh, is so weird. T- this is the shit that happens in the movie. They just made a movie based on their real fucked up relationship. And Tatum O'Neill is the girl in Bad News Bears, right? Is that, that is correct. Why I know her? Okay. Yes. And she's amazing in this. But at the, the whole time, and now I know this has been confirmed, but like the whole time you're just like, yeah, this little girl's amazing, but I don't know. She should get out of here. She shouldn't be around all these people. I also think that there's a Peter Bogdanovich thing going on where like he's obsessed with the Hollywood of now, like the tabloidiness of now, but also the Hollywood of yesteryear. Um, he directed The Last Picture Show with Timothy Bottoms. He was actually in that movie. Uh, Timmy but- Butts is what we call him. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I want to talk about all of that stuff. And it's I don't going up care against... what it's going up against, Greg. It's going up against number 54, The Baby? All right, here we go. Uh, the poster, please look it up. It's a crib with giant man legs sticking out of the oh, crib. Yeah. <laughs> I remember this one. A social worker still reeling from the loss of her architect husband. Important to note, he was an architect. Investigates the eccentric, psychedelic Wadsworth family, consisting of a mother, two daughters, and an adult son with uh, the mental capacity of an infant. Okay, okay, I get it. Like um, and this is this is the like the beginning of the Boss Baby cinematic universe. Yes, this is when it all started. <laughs> so don't fucking watch. Don't come to me and say like I didn't understand Boss Baby two until you have seen the baby, because of course you didn't get it. He said like, it's to not supposed to be baby. a boss yet. <laughs> That Will Ferrell sketch where he comes out with a baby with the full job and friends already. <laughs> what do you think should move on? It feels pretty hard like it's the paper moon or paper moon, right, guys? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, baby. Uh, our sorry. last matchup of this round, gentlemen, the Hourglass Sanatorium, number 22. Mike, I get this. I get the feeling this might be a horror movie. Do you know anything about it? 
It sounds like a horror movie. I know nothing about it except it has my next tattoo as its poster. <laughs> it's this giant eye that turns into like a skull mouth underneath oh, yeah. it. It's fucking sick. But no, I know nothing about Pretty this. Pretty dope. Ryan, do you know anything worthwhile about this? Uh, Polish movie, surrealist, like, guy walks into a sanatorium where his dad is, and everything is surreal. Like, uh, what's that show, Legion? Oh, shit, mm. really? It's like that? Okay. Well, like, we go into a sanatorium, and now everything is crazy. Am I crazy? Are there Hulk hands? Am I the crazies? Am I all of the crazies? <laughs> <laughs> Better grab an axe handle and figure it out. Um, and it's going up against our number 43 seed, the big boss. Not the big boss baby, <gasps> just the big boss. Are we sure? Ryan, do you know anything about The Big Boss? Hold on. Let me type, is The Big Boss Boss Baby? Uh, this is uh, cinematic universe. This is the movie that brought... I know that Enter the Dragon is like a far superior movie, I'm sure. So, like, better made. But this is the movie that brought uh, Kung Fu, Chop Saki, if we're still allowed to say that, and Bruce Lee to the masses. This movie made a fuck ton of money. And, like, Torso is the first slasher movie. This is the movie that gave us... Uh, the kung fu genre that would really last for like 15 years after this. Do you think it should the, move on versus the Hourglass Sanatorium? There'd be no Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings without the big boss. And yes, I do I do think it should. I like I'm totally fine with having two Bruce Lees competing in the second round. Yeah, why not? What do you think, Mike? Uh I like that Ryan just has to dumb it down for me and some of our listeners be like, "Okay, so there would be no Legion with the <laughs> without the Hourglass Sanatorium." <laughs> All right, so what no is this Shang-Chi like to, compared to Marvel? <laughs> Okay, I'll talk to the fucking baby, but not the baby from 1973. Uh, Yeah, it's the boss baby for me. All right, very good. So uh, the boss baby will be moving on. The big baby. When we come back after this short break, we are going to make the most brutal of cuts and get down to just 16 fine movies. We are ready to start Round number two, we have number one seed, The Exorcist, versus number 33 seed, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. This is fucking bull- Greg, you're the host? Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, uh, yeah if, this is your fault. If you're just tuning in right now, if you're that kind of podcast listener that skipped part one and also <laughs> the first half of part two. You know what? I like your crazy stuff. Let's <laughs> yeah, hang dude, out. That's, you got something to teach us. This is when shit gets crazy, and this is unfair. This is like, uh, I think that maybe there will be talk in the future of 32 episodes per season based on just this battle alone. One year to one year. Why isn't all of 2023, I guess at this point, half of 2023 and half of 2024 is all 1973? Well, if you're named (laughs) 1973, you should have 73 movies in your season. That it's makes too much just sense. just as simple as that. Shit, we're going to have to do 2,000 movies? <laughs> I think to the outsider, uh, this would seem like a slam dunk. I promise you that it's not, especially when we're talking about, like, 73, especially when we're maybe going to have a show about High Plains Drifter. It would be amazing, 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 amazing if we could have a show about Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. But Exorcist is bigger than 1973. They carted Yay. people out of the theaters, Greg. Get the fuck out of here, Pat Garrett. And that had to be true, right? There's no way that that was just done for... And they've never said that about any other movie. Uh, I didn't, this year, see a movie that I heard people were vomiting and had to leave the theater and watched no. it and went, eh. I saw a trailer where uh, they were carting gentle minions out of the theater after watching <laughs> <laughs> The Rise of Sweet Gru. Sweet gentle minions. Uh, so we all agree, Exorcist moving on. Yes. I, and 
that people should see Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid because it's like a fascinating. Just watch movie. Young Guns or Young Greg Guns has, too. Or Mike has forced a um, torso bonus episode. I'm gonna force a Tuki Buki episode. Greg, do you want to force a Pat? I, Gar- I am gonna force one. I just want, and this might be it, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna hold that in reserve. But it, that would probably be right now my choice. It's so cool and Greg, interesting and weird. Can I ask before you force one? Can you at least use a pat of butter? Oh my god, that's not like cool, a, Mike. That's not that's a good so joke. fucking. Good. I haven't seen the movie yet, so I don't know how bad that might be. <laughs> Our next matchup is number forty-nine seed, pretty low seed, uh, Tout Vabien versus number seventeen, De Palma's sisters. Did we say that whatever wins these battles, this is what's crazy about the sixteen episode? Oh yeah, oh it, yeah. It's just an episode now. Yeah, so like The Exorcist, that is a show, definitely. This is something I had to come to terms with when I picked the season, but like Exorcist is a show. It is an episode. I will be watching this movie. Greg, I promise you the week we do The Exorcist, I will leave my ringer off Do Not Disturb, and you can call me at any (laughs) point if you need to get talked back to sleep. Oh, man. If you are afraid of the devil and you make a cell phone call... That's on you, fool. You are 100% going to get connected right to the devil. And you're going to call that your douchiest friend who goes, Greg. Mike, do you ever uh, hear everything Greg says as the bass voice from Boys to Men? Like, girl. Girl. Uh, If you ever make a phone call. If if you're scared of the devil and you make a phone call, you might be a redneck girl. I feel totally lost with this one, Ryan. These I didn't happen to watch either of these, um, so my my watching didn't do anything for me in this round. And I think, Mike, are you kind of in the same? What is the the, the low-seated one was a phrase I didn't even know because I'm getting Bobby in. So, so the real quick thing that uh, listeners already know is that one is let's move the camera around nine squares that are apartments, and we're going to prove that film is stupid and weird but awesome but gross. And Sisters is the Brian De Palma, Margot Kidder, Slasher. Um, I think that for multiple reasons, it has to be Sisters. It's I I cannot wait for that episode. The, the Godard one would be fine, but like... No one talks about this movie anymore. Yeah, Sisters has like a Criterion release. It's 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 been rethought and re like, you know, uh, reestablished as like a classic so many times. Uh, there's a moment in this movie that I like. I am tittering. I can't wait for you guys to see. Like it's there's so many uh, awesome film things. The ending is a segment on its own. It ha- it just has to be Sisters. And all right. De Palma has such a reputation, and I dislike what I've seen so much that I want to keep smashing my head against him until I get it. Yeah, and then after you watch this, you'll be like, I should revisit Snake Eyes with Nicolas Cage, because I bet that's an, a wonderful movie. That's the one I like, Ryan. <laughs> Fuck Scarface. Our next matchup, number eight seed, The Sting, versus number 40 seed, The Last of Sheila. The Last of Sheila was that um, like Ryan Johnson um Oh, What's his detective yeah. movies. That's Knives my vote. Out. Knives Out style. I vote for Knives Out 1973 edition. Bunch of old friends get together and hijinks ensue. Uh, versus The Sting, huge, huge, huge movie. Uh, probably better than The Last of Sheila and also more important. And I, would, I don't know. Are, are we really going to think about putting The Last of Sheila through? I'm not. I like as much shit as I talked in the last episode about The Sting. Like, it's such a. American classic. Like, uh, if if the only reason to do it is to take it down a peg, which I'm not wanting to do, but if that's the reason, then that's fine. The last of Sheila, who gives a shit? It's good. It's fun, but like, I don't know. It 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 doesn't raise to the level of the sting in my mind. 
What do you think, uh, Mike? Do you want to make any sort of like plea for the last of Sheila? No plea. I said I vote for it. I love Ryan Johnson. I love whodunits and howdunits. That was my vote, but that's fine. I understand you guys' arguments for The Sting, a movie I've actually heard of. What about <laughs> Ryan's Johnson? It's my favorite Johnson. Wink. Oh, that's so sweet. Even above your own? Yeah, mine is eh, nothing oh. to write home about. That, you know what? You've got a beautiful body, Mike, and you should love it. That's, what, that's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, so The Sting is moving on. Also a, a, a wonderful professional wrestler you may have heard of. Uh, our next matchup is number nine, the cop money-taking Serpico versus number 24, sort of gritty, small-time crooks, the friends of Eddie Coyle. Greg, you watched Serpico recently, right? I did. I watched both of these in the last week. And I know we're going to deal with this character uh, very soon, but did you notice that one of his many, many costumes was straight up a green hat with a feather and green clothes? He just dressed like Robin Hood as one of his crazy <laughs> costumes. He he is a loud dresser. Um, I don't. I'm, I'm not totally. We'll we'll get into what the deal with Serpico is when we watch Serpico. But one thing he is is a flamboyant, fun dresser. I don't like that. I don't like when people dress brightly and loudly. <laughs> He's Garish. Whole thing, what are you doing? Get a personality. He, he wants to become a detective so bad just so that he could always be in plain clothes, but he doesn't wear anything that's like plain clothes in the entire <laughs> movie. It just gets more and more over the top. I love it. No, thanks, um, Greg. Um, I would love that if you picked, instead of Pat Garrett, if you picked uh, Eddie Coyle for your bonus, that would be awesome. But Serpico is... Uh, Max Fisher did not do a play based on the friends of Eddie Coyle. <laughs> yeah. Again, so it, sometimes, like, it's not always the bigger movie's going to win, but sometimes when it's like... A movie that is bigger than the year versus a movie that you heard of because you did some research on the year. Like it just seems tough to to try to force through the friends of Eddie Coyle against a movie like Serpico. All right, our number four seed and Ryan predicted potential winner. Don't look now. The weird uh, haunted precog, oh yeah, creepy Venice, uh, Donald Sutherland movie versus number thirty six. A movie that uh, Ryan has called the most boring movie ever made, The Way We Were. <laughs> and that is uh, Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford being... Yes. No rom-com, not even no. rom-com. Let's, let's fall in rom. love, but never tell jokes. That's, Ew, that's what that's the pitch is for the movie. Yeah. yeah. You're talking to three guys whose relationship is based entirely on the fact that they and their wives can just like talk and laugh for hours and hours and hours. Would you say rom that all three, of our wives, all three of our wives think we're funnier than they think we're sexy or are in love with us? Yes. Uh, yeah. When we first met for sure. And now I'm saying I'm saying to you, Mike, right now for sure your wife thinks that you're funnier more than oh, she thinks. I was you're saying attractive. she no longer finds me funny or attractive. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, we don't really have anything for the way nah. we were, right? Let's don't look up. Kind of a schmaltzy song. Don't look now so good. Oh, and we're gonna get to do a show about it. I'm excited. Uh and it's fun if you've ever been to Venice or if you just like Venice because it's like a tour through the the less notable parts of Venice. Does it's just Muscle Beach Venice? Ma- we're, like working out on a Muscle Beach, Mike? We grew up in Southern California. <laughs> Get out of my way. I'm going to say the same thing as you. <laughs> uh, our next matchup, this is, a, this is a tough one. This is a tough one, our next matchup. Uh, is number 13, Enter the Dragon. Uh, the Bruce Lee, just... This movie, I, I, kids, correct me if I'm saying this wrong. This movie's fucking swaggy, dude. It's just swagged out. It, Does it he have is Riz? so cool. Uh, yeah, it's Riz. 
It's got the drip. Um, and then it's going up against number twenty, uh, Papillon. See, this which is what is I'm talking. Arguably a better movie, but like <laughs> this is what I'm talking about, dude. Like I honestly <laughs> thought that we would do shows about all the important movies, and like uh, you can't. Maybe Eddie Coyle, I could have predicted, wouldn't get its own show, but like this sucks. Like. I, I know both of these were going to get a show for sure. Yeah. I know what I'm going to pick, but like these both deserve a show. These are both big, huge movies. I, I one of them is a big, a, huge movie. There's a more fun movie, which is Enter the Dragon, but I have to say I'm thinking about the shows that these movies would engender, and it's not that the Enter the Dragon show would be bad. It's that the Papillon show would be better, including the parts where we're like, why did they do that? Was that just because 73 is a very, very weird time? Um the decisions, both good and bad, that Papillon makes, I think, is just more interesting. I, I don't know. I think more to talk about, more to chew on. I, I think the cultural footprint of Enter the Dragon is undeniable. Can you guys believe that we watched all the Game of Thrones and its spinoff and we saw nobody enter the dragon? Like At, <laughs> at some point, somebody should have fucked the dragon, right? Yeah. Well, like, yeah. all the Targaryens are dragons, so anytime any Targaryen gets fucked, they're being entered as a dragon. Interesting. Right? So, yeah. You know. Got to think about it that way. <laughs> we do have to decide, though, unfortunately. I, I I, will... Well, I have to go last, actually. So, I will say, Mike, mm. make a decision, uh, bud. Yeah. I, I This is not... Is one, I think, is a huge movie that has a lasting impact on... And one is Mike's people, grandfather. Not just film nerds. And one is my grandpa, who I didn't even like that much. <laughs> Enter the Dragon. I, I agree. Like, when I was a kid, uh, people would say Papillon is like, oh, you got to watch this movie. But those are just dads that watched fucking Tom Hanks movies on Apple Plus or would in their future. Uh, it's Enter the Dragon. 73 was like a great time for dad movies because the protagonists are all dad age, basically. And none of them are in like amazing shape, but they're all the world of the movie constructs them. as just the coolest person who's ever existed. And dads are folding laundry thinking like, oh, that gets to sexually assault people. Why can't I? Uh, like your dads were folding laundry in 73. Dads are <laughs> yeah, walking I, around yelling oh my God. at their wives for laundry not being folded well enough. <laughs> In 73, dads were handing shit-covered babies to women, saying, well, uh, what do we do with this? Stop in dipping it in shit. In 73, your dad was trying to get you to take a sip of beer, not so that you would know what it was like, so that you would just shut up and leave yeah. him alone. Stop teething. Uh, it is a little bit of a shame, because the, that crossover of Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman, I just feel like is two eras of Hollywood coming together yeah. in, a, in sort of an unlikely place. And it really works, too. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's sort of like a, a buddy cop film. Well, um, the, our next matchup is, uh, the. I will now tell everybody, the reason for the season is this movie, for me. Number five, The Long Goodbye. Um, yeah. This is, when I looked ahead to this season, this is exactly why I was excited about this season. And my favorite movie that I watched in preparation for this season was The Day of the Jackal. <laughs> so, uh, one about <laughs> cats, the other about cat food. Exactly. Yeah, you can just make your cat like a little dish with cottage cheese and pineapple while you smoke a cig. Um, two different men at the center of this movie. One is like rumpled and barely making it through the day. The other is like hyper efficient, but kind of a machine. It's a shame we can't do both of these. And in fact, Ryan, I have a feeling that I'm going to. I feel like we have bonus Greg's food. bonus episode. <laughs> Probably based on these two because. Mike, is there a world where we move the day of the jackal on and not the long goodbye? Not a world I will remain living in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is another movie that Mike and I reviewed 
on a former podcast, and he remembers this one because he he doesn't like cries and whispers apparently, but he loves this. I one. I don't know so. what that is. I've never heard of it before this moment right now that you said it. Uh, Long Goodbye is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. Yeah, and I like you two, you two knuckleheads. I cannot wait to talk about the Long Goodbye about and about like the destruction of the hero and yes. Altman. Every time an Altman movie comes up, it's just so much fun. Uh, Day of the Jackal. Bye-bye. Maybe. Okay, put a pin in that. Maybe. But yeah, Long, long Goodbye is moving on for now. Day of the Jackal is going to go to the sideline and, and keep glancing at me, and I'll keep glancing back. Our next one is, wow, I'm surprised it made it this far. Cries and Whispers, the movie that Mike saw, loved, and then decided to forget completely, versus The Last Detail, the movie that was always like number two on my list of movies that I was going to watch next to get ready for this season <laughs> and, and just never is... quite got there. This is the Jack Nicholson Navy movie. I'm sorry, the not... who, Mike? The who movie? Jack Nicholson. Can you say his Jack name? Jack Nicholson. Thank you. Sorry. I have to take my hat off to do his voice right. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. And he's not played by James Caan here. Right. That is correct. Played by the man himself. This uh, this fucking get... sucks. I think Cries and Whispers is probably the best movie, like, wholesale out of all this and the last detail is so good and so 73 yeah i'm leaning last detail i mean that that to me the the 73-ness of it the fact that like i am acquainted with a poster i feel like i've seen the poster my entire life that's so important it makes me want to get in there and watch it man it last detail sounds awesome but i think i have to watch this movie apparently i've seen unloved before Yeah, I guess that would be like what kind of like being reintroduced to some part of yourself. I mean, Cries and Whispers is not as Bergman-y, as like parody-y as uh, The Seventh Seal, uh-huh. right? Like, it's not like playing chess with death and like that that clip with like the people in a line on the cliff in profile and like you can see them. Yeah. It's not as, but it is close to that. And the last detail is just a fucking good time. The last detail is if you ever wanted to go uh, know what it's like to go on vacation with me, Mike, and Greg, <laughs> it's, it is it is like that. Shit. Shit. This sucks. Let's go to you first, Ryan. What do you think it's going to be? Well, Mike already said, right? Mike already said cries and whispers. Yes. Okay. So, Ryan, do you agree with that? I, you know what? I, the, the 1973 of it all and the fact that like we don't really know when cries and whispers came out. It's like a Swedish movie. I'm gonna go with the last detail. Shit! Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the last detail as well for that same reason. It's just like so much. It's it's cleaner. Definitely part of the zeitgeist of '73. We know exactly when it came out. It was popular. I've seen the poster forever. All right. So I will continue to not know myself thanks to you guys. No wait. What was my bonus episode? I'm gonna switch it. Doesn't matter. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go, jerks. Uh, number two seed, The Holy Mountain versus number 34 seed, Coffee. Is there any way I'm going to get my dream of The Holy Mountain? Is this your fucking booted? perfect dream right here? Like, this is what you wanted. This is what you th- you fixed the bracket yeah, to have The Holy Mountain kicked out of here. Honestly, I'm actually kind of equally like Holy Mountain has a lot of stuff that's hard to watch because obviously part of his deal is like, I'm going to show you things that are beautiful but I'm also going to show you things that are grotesque for that is the world we live in. And so that's part of, part of what, what I hold against it. But coffee sounds like you're going to have to like sit me down and be like, Greg, this is some stuff that happens in this movie and I need you to be okay with it, bud. So I'm kind of afraid of both of these movies. I think that uh, the Holy mountains timelessness, in fact, like the fact that it's weird at any time 
whereas coffee is so 73. That's why I'm leaning towards coffee. Yeah. It does seem like the more 73 Andrea. movie. And Blacksport, do we have another Blacksportation? And that's in the, at this point, eight episodes ago, we talked about, would that matter? Yeah, I think that genre needs to be represented. No. We have our Kung Fu movie. And horror-ish, but no. Bada-bing. You thinking about it, Mike? You thinking about going coffee? Oh, I'm coffee all the way. I Mike am is a coffee. Ryan, are you a coffee? I'm a coffee. Well, you know what? I will have a coffee as well. And I can't wait to get these trigger warnings. <laughs> um, number 15 seed. Wow, this is interesting. Again, we don't doctor this in any way. This is just how it happens. It's given to us by the universe. Sometimes to you. two boring sci-fi movies come up against each other. But number 15, Westworld versus number 18, Soylent Green. This is where I'm wondering if all things are equal, because these are kind of like overhyped future movies that ultimately kind of send you to your phone halfway through them because you're like, man, I think I'll know when they change scenes and then I'll just look up again. I don't, I'll, um, I'll just defer. If Greg has watched both of these in the last week, I I, I don't fucking care. Uh, I'll defer and Greg can make my pick. Mike? I'll, I'll agree. This is one of the Crytonian collection I haven't owned. Then I'm going to go with Westworld because of the, of the Crichton factor. Um... I do have to say there's a there's a we, there's some weird stuff in Soylent Green as I alluded to uh, last episode or earlier in this episode, but I don't know that there's a ton for us to do with the weirdness. Like they call women furniture, isn't that really gross? Yeah, very very gross. Yeah, I think that's gross. Yeah, no. I'm grossed out by the fact that they did that. Yeah, it's it's not good. No, it's bad. Yeah, it's definitely bad. We're against that. It's like how much yeah. can you say that that you sucks? just did it? it you knocked it out. You knocked out that episode <laughs> for us. Uh, number seven, Robin Hood. Versus number 26, Ganja and Hess. Robin Hood for me, baby. I don't want to do a show about Robin Hood. I don't give a fuck. Like, come on. Ganja and Hess. We have, a, we have an opportunity to do an episode about Ganja and Hess. And I'm not trying to, like, win Greg over. I'm just trying to say that, like, Mike is a child and Greg, let's be adults. <laughs> yeah, the, like, Robin Hood is kind of the same level throughout and Ganjin ha- has has these like spikes and then these valleys i will but- say greg before you finish that thought i will say and i don't know if this matters to you at all i legit g- legitimately don't but if we do a show about robin hood it will get like thousands of listeners and if we do a show about Ganjin and has it will get tens of listeners here's the thing i really like about the robin hood movie is that it is a classic that a lot of people connect to and I think that that's important, that part of what we have in movies is that they provide a cultural touchstone. And I think that's what we're doing here, too. And that's something that we're celebrating as much as anything else. So I think I'm going to go with Robin Hood. I said, when when we were talking about the sting, I said I was not going to be, like, arms folded. I was going to come in open-minded. Not with Robin Hood. Like, <laughs> fucking bullshit movie. Stupid. It's just bad. Just watch like Gungeon Hess that we can talk about that. I like when we draw a big audience to us just so that we can say we don't like your movie. Oh, the thing you wanted to hear us rave about? You're fucking dumb. I think it is going to be an interesting show, though. I think there's potential there. Um, you it's know, it's way better to... the Fox and the Hound. It's unfair to Ganja and Hess. Oh, who... That would probably be a more interesting week. But I don't know. Like it... The thing you said, Ryan, it moved me more because are we going to tell people that we did the show in a year where one of their favorite movies came out and then we didn't 
talk about it, especially when we're our show goes out onto the internet and we're talking about the internet subculture. I do have to say, like we have the talked furries. multiple times, mostly in it's not just furries though. Like we talked uh, in the intro of part one, you know how much before our time this year was, and yet mm. every girl that we know is horny for this main character in a way that is different than Elliot Gould or George Seagal if we're talking about 1973. <laughs> what if they had made Robin Hood instead of a young fox, kind of an old dad bod type? Like the badger. Friar Tuck? No, there's the badger. It might be the sheriff I'm thinking of. It's been a while since I've seen this movie, but there's a badger character. There is a badger character. Undeniable. So it sounds like Robin Hood moving on? Yeah. Sorry, cinema. Our next matchup <laughs> is number 55 seed, the five fingers of death or the bo- the king boxer, boxer king versus number 42, the harder they come. Now we already have our Kung Fu movie. Is that, am I right about that? Uh, we do have Enter the Dragon, although that's uh, not uh, a, a little bit more Americanized than probably five fingers of death. What is the harder they come? Is that it's the, uh, the Jamaican movie about uh reggae and about how oh, hard it is to make yeah. it in jamaica and can um, can we vote for tukey bookie right now we cannot no nor can we vote for after sun what some about ships after have Yang? already sailed man i, I would just like to say i have seen the harder they come and i am advocating for it very highly especially because i kicked out tukey bookie and i'd feel really bad if then it lost also the harder they come can we can we barter right here yeah, if you if if you're on the Tuki Buki bonus episode with me and Mike, then I'll vote for the harder they come. Yeah, of course I'm gonna be on that. Or yes, I will agree to these terms. Okay, I meant. And then I'll just watch Five Finger Death Punch live in concert alone. <laughs> so the harder they come is moving on. Next up, ooh, this is. I don't think a hard choice, but just a harsh matchup. Number three, Mean Streets versus number 35, Scarecrow. Mean Streets. Yeah. Kick rocks. Like, let's say, Greg, you watched both of these movies recently, right? Yes. And even if they were equal on the Greg favorite movies of all time, one is so much more important to the history of film, right? Yes, and they're not equal. I enjoyed Scarecrow, but it's like, Scarecrow's like one of these movies that you really enjoy and then... But it just doesn't feel super important. Like, you know, it's just good and it makes you think a little bit. And you're like, oh, these are good performances. And I like Gene Hackman. But it doesn't change you or anything. <laughs> All right. Now we are going to enter the uncomfortable zone, gentlemen. And once we emerge from this uncomfortable zone, we will have an uncomfortable movie on our hands. And there's just nothing we can do about that. Number 14, Last Tango in Paris versus number 19, High Plains Drifter. This feels like bartering in that, fine, I won't vote for Last Tango, but now you got to watch High Plains Drifter. Like this, <laughs> this feels like some sort of trade with the devil. Uh, I think there's one that the world has heard of and is a bigger deal, and it's Last Tango. I, I do feel like I'm ready to reckon with the history of it and talk about that while watching the movie, treating it as its, the movie as its own separate thing, but also mm-hmm. entwined with its history. I both of these movies deserve episodes. I, I like I'm not trying to avoid both of these. I think that they both should be in the 16. Yeah, because of those tough conversations. Ryan's trying, trying to trying kick to... out Robin Hood and slip in High Plains Drifter in its place right now. I am. Rob from the poor. So that sounds like last tango of Paris for both of you. So that, that's the one that's moving on. Fucking All right. Crazy. That'll be a fun week. <laughs> 
Up next, it is number six, American Graffiti versus number 27, The Crazies. Mike, is there anything you want to say to The Crazies before we boot them out of here? I legally, I said I legally can't vote against George Romero, but then I said American Graffiti made me write a shitty screenplay when I was in high school, so. Oh. Mike, if you flip the titles of these movies, does it still work? It really does, Ryan, because I don't know if you looked at these clowns in Washington. These, <laughs> these teens on the street doing drag races? Those are the crazies. I vote for the crazies. Ryan. American Graffiti. It's got to be American Graffiti. You're one of the crazies, Mike. <laughs> and then I think this is our last, our last choice here, and I want us all to really think about it. Sometimes these last cuts can be the toughest. Uh, number 11, Paper Moon, versus number 43, The Big Boss. And that, I was, of course, being facetious. The Big Boss is uh, credited for giving America this kung fu craze, right, that we all liked. Uh, the kung fu, kung fu, the kung flu. I'll just leave it there. Uh, but um, Paper Moon. And Paper Moon's not set in 1973, so it's not about 1973. But, like, come on. Like, come right? On. We already have Enter the Dragon. Yeah, I, I I think we filled our brief on that, right? We filled our briefs. <laughs> um, we we made we wanted to make sure that we had like a selection of what seventy three really felt like, but this would be akin to leaving off the Sting or American Graffiti, like or Robin Hood. Let's or say the like, crazies. People would approach you, and when they found out you were doing a show about seventy three, they'd be like, "Oh, I can't wait to hear the Paper Moon episode." And if you said to them, "Yeah, we don't have one because we did the Big Boss," they would sock you in the nose. They would. Then you'd be like, I "Then feel they're like I the Big the Boss." Well, there you have it. I'm going to read you the movies that will make up this season, but we have done it. We have seeded the bracket. These are the 16 movies that will make up the 1973 season of Movie of the Year, along with the three bonus episodes. At <laughs> least three. We have a very hard time saying no. So it is The Exorcist, Sisters, The Sting, Serpico, Don't Look Now, Enter the Dragon, The Long Goodbye, The Last Detail, Coffee, Westworld, Robin Hood, The Harder They Come, Mean Streets, Last Tango in Paris, American Graffiti, and Paper Moon. This uh, is bananas. Whatever I just excited. said the name of of the movie of the year from 1973. We just don't know which one it was. Whatever I said in the beginning of the last episode where I was like, well, 1973, I don't know, kind of dumb. Uh, I was wrong. Yeah, you uh, yeah. I am sorry. These are like, we are about to get a fucking education. We're going to learn about film. We're going to learn about cinema. And mostly, we're going to learn about each other. Why is that always mostly? Couldn't one time yeah. it be like, number one, learn about film. Number two, I'm learn about each other. So sick of learning about you guys. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I know so much. And it sounds like what are our potential bonus episodes are Tukibuki. Mike, what was yours? Uh, I don't remember, so the crazies probably. Torso. Torso. Oh, torso. But I might switch mine to Cries and Whispers, which would then switch Mike's to Tukibuki. Mike, if you <laughs> don't mind, I'm going to take Greg's over yours. Switch to the crazies. <laughs> well, let's not worry about the bonus episodes now because they're not going to win the move of the year anyway. Although they could win potentially our, our Moody's, and some people say that those are the real prizes. Usually the losers say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you have it. We have begun the 1973 season. Uh, gentlemen, are you excited? I find myself exceptionally excited. I want to stop talking to you so I can go start watching movies. Do you want to know right. what our first movie is? 
Yes, what is the first, what is our next episode going to be, Ryan? It's motherfucking Westworld, guys. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, we're starting with Westworld, probably the worst movie. I, I changed my <laughs> excitement level. Season. <laughs> if you said right now, if the paparazzi came up and said, oh, you, you guys just picked 16 movies, name all of them, we all would have named 15, and then not <laughs> remembered Westworld. Westworld, the movie that we'll forget forever. But you know what's going to be fun, guys? We're going to get to all talk about the fact that James Brolin is obviously Christian Bale's real dad. And like, uh, There is no doubt. Your brain just tells you that that is the fact when you look at him smile. I did deliver some news to you guys in the text feed that... Uh, he is his dad, but he uh, he left him at a church. He he's the one who oh, because he's Christian Bale. Christian Bale? He, did, he did a Christian Bale, guys. He did a Christian Bale. We we could do this in the text feed, but you guys refuse to, so we're doing it live on the podcast. <laughs> you will respond to my puns, you motherfuckers. Well, friends, so has begun the 1973 season of Movie of the Year, and there's only one thing left to do, and that's to keep watching them movies.